We're going to be reading Revelations 7, verse 9 through 17. After this, I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. They cried in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated at the throne, and to the Lamb. All the angels stood around the throne, and all the elders and the four living creatures fell face down before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen. Blessings and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders asked me, who are these people in white robes, and, why, and where did they come from? I said to him, Sir, you know. And then he told me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason, they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in his temple. The one seated on the throne will shelter them. They will no longer hunger, they will no longer thirst, the sun will no longer strike them, nor will any scorching heat. For the Lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them, he will guide them to springs of water of life, and God will wipe away every tear in their eyes. Well, amen, amen. <clears throat> Good morning, Reconcile Community Church. All right. Ah, that was good. Welcome. Yes. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Pastor Jarian Wilson. Everybody calls me Jay Will. I am, am the pastor of a church in Columbia, South Carolina called City of Refuge Church. Um, City of Refuge Church is a simple church uh, that's seeking to call all to Jesus, connect them to his greater family, and live commissioned as his ambassadors. Um, and so it's such an honor and privilege to be up here with you guys. You are basically family to me. Uh, I've been up here a couple times, I think, now, in about the past few years. Uh, yes, I'm up here because you guys are one of my great partners, but more than partners, you guys are family to me. Uh, Will and I have known each other for roughly four years now. Oh, man, we still like each other. That's the crazy thing, too. <laughs> but Will is a dear brother to me, and... Um, yeah, he has been able to be a sounding board. Uh, he has given me wisdom over the past few years. He has helped me when, on times when I was like, I'm about to get off this boat because church planting's crazy. But uh, he, that brother has helped me. He has kept me down so many times. Um, and our church plant, City of Refuge, we're only six months old now. We just started having service back in April of this year. And we just moved into uh, what we're praying is our permanent location the end of, at, the end of sept at the beginning of September. So we've only been in our new location for about two months now. Um, so it's an honor and privilege to be up here with you. And lastly, I want to embarrass her because she's right here in front of me. I have my lovely wife with me, Crystal. Everybody say, hey, Crystal. Hey, Crystal. <laughs> I did that because she hates being put on the spot. But I am so thankful that she is here with me this morning. Um, Yo, my wife had COVID two months ago, and I didn't think I would see my wife again. So every day I get to see her, it's a reminder of God's faithfulness in the midst of chaos and struggle. So I honor her, and I just wanted to put her on the spot 
and tell you guys, this is, this, yeah, this woman right here. I don't think I would be here today if she wasn't here. So, gotten all of that out of the way. Um, today we'll be diving into our text in Revelations chapter 7, verse 9 through 17. Um, if you've never read the book of Revelation, or if you have tried, it might seem like a very strange and weird book. It might even be some things you're like, what is going on here? This thing frightens me. Uh, let me give you a little bit what's going on under the cover, under the hood, and to help it up to help you out to make it a little easier for you to read. This book is all about worship. That's all it's about. It's about the coming day when our king shall return and all those who are his will return to him and worship him. And it's actually a book of encouragement for those who are suffering right now. Uh, John was writing to the church at the time in Rome that was, they were suffering persecution. They were suffering because of the faith of God, and they were all waiting to say, Lord, when are you going to make all things right? And he got a glimpse of heaven and said, this is what it looks like for all things to be made right, and this is how we will worship for all days after this present suffering. So if you are here this morning and you may be struggling or wrestling with anything in life or you may be suffering in any ways, um, be of good cheer because this book was written with you in mind. It was written with your circumstances, your life situations in mind. And for those who may be saying, Lord, how long? This is a promise that he will deliver and he's going to make all things right. So if you wouldn't mind, I'm going to pray for our time. And then we'll dive straight in. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our Lord shall stand forever. Father, we are so thankful that that is the promise that you have given us, that your word will stand forever. No matter what life circumstances or what is thrown our way, we can run to your word and it will be a light to our feet. It is something that we can hold on to, a tangible reminder of your faithfulness. And it gives us a glimpse of a future hope in dark and terrible days. So, Father, I pray this morning as I prepare to declare your word that you would invade us with your spirit, that you would thrust us into your throne room. And we would be able to cast our concerns and our issues at your feet and find hope in the truth of what you are doing. Father, I pray today that I would decrease and you would increase and that all who are thirsty, all who are weary, all who are longing for a future, that this would be a word that would encourage, challenge them, help them to see you as more beautiful and help them to put their eyes and their focus on you. Lord, we desperately need you. We desperately need you in this day and age. Help us to know that we have sweet victory in you. Lift all these things up to you in your son Jesus' name. Amen. In 2014, Christian rapper Trip Lee dropped his album, Rise. 
this album was all about how we would rise up and we would look to a glorious God, that we would look to a glorious, victorious day. And there was a song on this album that continuously, honestly, to be played often in my life called Sweet Victory. The purpose of him writing this song is despite his failings right now, despite his issues right now, despite the fact he has thorns where his crown should be, he already knows that sweet victory is promised for him. Listen to this last verse. He says, they like, I hear you talking wins, but I see your losses. You're celebrating crowns, but I see your crosses. That's a paradox that don't fit in your merit box. You might not understand if you don't walk in, in a pair of socks. The victor ain't the one that's winning seventh inning. Trophies don't go to the ones that got a good beginning. When I say I win, I don't mean the state I'm in. I mean the day when the gray skies fade away and I win because I reign with him. Triple E was like, I know where I'm at right now. I know what's going on in my life right now, but I have sweet victory. I have a future hope. I have a glory that is waiting to be revealed. It has already been promised to me, and I get to see a glimpse of it here, but there's something better for where I'm going. How, how many people may be in the room right now, and they're like, I feel like the world is crushing me. I am falling. Lord, how long? How many of you longing to experience the sweet victory? Well, today in our text, John was getting thrust into the throne room of, of God, and he was going around a people who had been longing for the sweet victory. You're going to hear this reoccurring theme about they were dressed in robes of white. They were dressed in white robes. Or better yet, in, in the Greek, it literally is given this image of they were literally dressed in majesty. They were dressed in glory itself. This text that I'm reading today is often is a prescription for the multi-ethnic church, but the truth is, it's not the to be prescribed for the multi-ethnic church. Now, it can be applied that way, and it should have that fruit come out of it. But really, this is about the mandate of the Great Commission going forward and being successful. Because we see that the good news of Jesus Christ has made its way to the ends of the earth and impacted all people from every tribe and every language where they are as they suffer. This, this text shouldn't be... Uh, a force to fit this idea of multi-ethnicity, but it should be used to say all people suffer and all people need this hope. And we are those who have been able to receive this hope. And our Jehovah Witness friends, they like to use uh, the uh, verse 4 when it says, I heard the number of the sealed, 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the Israelites, and say only 144,000 are going to make it in. Actually, what John was trying to say is, no, these were the faithful Israelites in the first century who were declaring the gospel and spreading the gospel as evangelists everywhere they were going, and that the gospel was spreading to every nation. So these people were being sealed before the great tribulation was coming that was going to affect the rest of the world. And after that great tribulation, we land where we are now, verse 9. I mean, after that, the sealing of those 144,000, we land where we are now. He says, after this, I looked, and there was a vast multitude from every nation, 
tribe, people, and language, which no one could number, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. And again, they were clothed in white robes. I'm going to pause right there because this isn't the first place where white robes are mentioned in this book. Actually, if you go back to Revelation chapter 3, this is what Jesus was saying to those who waited on him. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 5, it says, in the same one, in the same way, the ones who conquers will be dressed in white clothes. And I will never erase his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my people and before his angels. I mean, before my father and before his angels. So the first time the white robes were ever mentioned was Jesus giving this promise that those who hold on to the faith, those who continue to move forward, those who make it to the end, who just hold on to the truth of what he is doing, they will receive a white robe and their name will never be erased from the book of life. And then he comes back in chapter 6, the chapter right before this, in chapter 6, verse 10 through 11. This was the, those who were facing many trials and many tribulations. They cried out with a loud voice, Lord, the one who is holy and true, how long? How long will you judge those who live on the earth and avenge our blood? Literally saying, how long till you make things Right till you justify us. You see the issues we're going through here. How long, Lord, must we wait? And then Jesus promised them. He says, so they were each given a white robe, and they were told to rest a little while, longer until the number would be completed of their fellow servants and their brothers and sisters who were going to be killed just as they had been. So right here, Getting to chapter 7, there has been a promise given. Those who hold on to me, despite everything that comes, you will receive majesty. You will receive glory. You will receive a white robe. And then those who were waiting for that the moment for them to be justified, they say, how long, Lord? He said, just a little while longer. Here's your robe. Just wait. See, family, we aren't the first ones to ever ask, Lord, how long I got to deal with this? How long do we have to deal with injustice in our cities? How long do we have to deal with corrupt politicians? How long do we have to deal with family issues, with sickness, all these things? We're not the first ones to ever ask this question. They were asking that question also. But as they were asking that question, how long they were given a promise. And for those who trust and believe in Jesus, we also are given a promise. Just hold on a little while longer. Your robe is waiting for you. Hold on a little while longer. You will be dressed in majesty itself. And in the verse 9 finishes off with, and with palm branches in their hands. See, palm branches was a symbol that joy, that victory had already been won. So John is seeing all these great nations and all these people standing around and they are praising God and they're speaking of his greatness and they have palm branches in hand as a symbol that the battle has already been won. Victory has already been gained. It's the very same symbol that Jesus, that, that was shown when Jesus walked into the city of Jerusalem 
before he was crucified, when they were standing on the streets and they were singing, Hosanna, Hosanna, salvation has come. We also will one day sing, Hosanna, Hosanna, our salvation has come. We see it eye to eye. Victory has been won. But we're still currently struggling. We're still currently in our present state, feeling the pains of this world. John was still currently struggling while the angels were revealing these things to him, showing him of the worship that was to come. He was still in exile, and the church at that moment was still suffering. But there was a future glimpse of glory revealed. And it continues on as he saw them all dressed in their nice white robes and they were singing a victory. He heard them cry out. And I love that word cry out. See, I'm country, right? Um, the Greek word for cry out is this word that means crazo. Like if you've ever been to a concert, you hear this roaring cheer when the victorious person come on stage, when this titan of a person come on stage, and it was like, yes, this is who we came to see. That's how they were crying out. This wasn't a subtle and tamed uh, presentation like, oh, praise God. But it was a cry out, yes, he's here, look, it's God, this is who we've been waiting for. When we come to church, this is literally what we are doing now. It's just preparing us for the great uproar. We, we come to church and we worship and we can cry out now because we will do it for eternity. Pass. And they were praising the most magnificent person they had ever seen in a loud voice. And they said, salvation belongs to our God who is seated on a throne and to the Lamb. They, they were literally saying, there he is. This is what we've been waiting for. My pains and suffering has falling away. This is the one who will deliver. This is who I've been waiting on. They were making what the psalmist writes in Psalm 118, verse 14 through 15, a reality. The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. There are shouts of joy and victory in the tents of the righteous. The Lord hand performs valiantly, literally saying, this is where my hope is. This is where my strength lies. This is where my joy is found. And this is what God's people should be crying out day and night. He is my salvation. He is my hope. He is the one I can find my joy and my victory in. Not our circumstances. Not our jobs. Our lack there of jobs. See, what John was seeing around this throne, the, all these great nations of people, they represented peoples of every walk in life. The pe person that had the great job, the person who couldn't get a job, the, the ex-drug dealer and the ex-addict, the ex-prostitute and the ex-pimp, the ones who was working in the labs and the ones who was living on the corner. He was saying, here is all of them. All the ones who have been presently suffering in their situations, they are now crying out to this glorious God. They are looking to him. 
Family, are you looking to him today? Are, are you looking towards him? Are you holding on to the means of this world, hoping that this will finally bring you joy? This will finally bring you satisfaction. If I just do this one more thing, maybe it'll finally work out and I will be fulfilled. John was like, here's people just like you, just like me. And they are finding their satisfaction. He is seeing a glimpse of what it looks like for satisfaction to be found, for victory to be tasted. My job here today is just to say, family, you can find your victory there too. You can taste that today too. And trust me, nothing of this world will satisfy like what John is describing right here. This great glory, this great and wonderful one. Matter of fact, it's, his glory is so amazing. If you go on to verse 11 through 12, it says all the angels literally stood around the throne. And along with the elders and the four living creatures, they fell face down before the throne and worshiped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength to be, be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Now, that might not seem like a big deal to you, but if you ever think about what an angel is, an angel is literally a being that was created out the very glory of God himself. Like, like we were created in the image of God, made from dust, but angels was just made out of his pure strength and glory. He said, let them exist, and they existed. They are beings greater than us, yet these beings that are greater than us are down on their face before his throne, worshiping. It's very similar to the image of what Isaiah experienced in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, when he himself came to the temple to worship, and he was thrust into the throne room of God. And it says, he says, in the year of King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated high on a high and lofty throne, and the hem of his robes, hem of his robe filled the temple. If you've ever seen a majestic bride, the longer their, the hem is, that means the more expensive the dress is. Yet God's glory, his, the hem of his robe filled the whole temple. It filled the whole room. And he saw the seraphim, they were standing above him, and each had six wings. Two, with two, they covered their face, and with two, they covered their feet, and they flew around him. And they just called to each other, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of armies, his glory fills the earth. What was happening when Isaiah walked into that room is he was seeing these majestic fire-like beings literally covering their face because they couldn't look at God. Literally covering their feet because they were afraid it might be consumed if they were shown before God. And they were just singing of his nature, his holiness, his otherness, his so abnormalness, his bigness. And they just sung it, holy, Holy, holy is the Lord of armies. His glory fills the whole earth. This is what John was being thrust in front of. He was saying, I see all these different people from all these different backgrounds looking to this one God. 
looking to this one gloriousness, this one glorious one, singing, singing at the top of their lungs of his majesty. And these were all people who were suffering, who had faced the worst of this world. If you ever want to do an interesting study, find out how all the church father, how all the uh, apostles died. They were beheaded. They were stoned. One was crucified upside down. John was the only one who didn't die by outside means, but that didn't mean he didn't suffer. He was literally boiled alive, burned, and left in exile. So they know what suffering means. Yet, all of them said, the suffering I am doing right now pales in comparison of the glory of the Lord that will be revealed. And John is seeing that firsthand. The glory that's being revealed is so much greater than any pain he's ever experienced. And he's writing this letter for those who are experiencing pain, who are experiencing troubles and issues. Again, I ask you, are you experiencing some of those pains today? Some struggles today, some addictions today, some issues today. Well, be of good cheer because his glory is so great that we have something and someone we can look to. We have someone who will wash us clean in the midst of our suffering, who will clean us up in the midst of our filth. That's why John turned to one of the elders. He, he asked, the elder to ask him, who are these people in white robes and where did they come from? I said to him, Sir, you know. <laughs> now, this is an interesting interaction. The elders asking John, you know who they are? And he was like, well, you know who they are, right? And the elders told him, he said, these are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. These are the ones that's made it through the suffering and the pain. These are the ones that held on to his unchanging hand. And they washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. See, what he's trying to tell us right here is the blood of the Lamb is what has come to make us whole, what has come to clean us of our unrighteousness. How does the blood of the Lamb come to make us whole? Well, I'm glad you asked. See, all of you, me included, we are all sinners separated from a holy God. We actually would not be able to stand in his presence if we were thrust there right now. But God, knowing our inability to come before him, he made a way by sending his perfect lamb, his perfect son, literally the one who's made of the same stuff as him, the, the, the righteous one. And he came, he lived the perfect life that neither one of us could live. He, he, he took on a judgment that we rightfully deserved. He literally was nailed to a cross, and as he was on the cross, our shame was nailed up there. Our sins were acquitted to him, put on him. Our account became his account, and his account became our account. His righteousness became our righteousness, and he became our sin. This is the blood of the lamb that cleans instead of taints. This is the blood of the lamb that these who made it through were washed in. 
See, Jesus died on the throne. He died on that cross. But we can trust in him because he didn't stay dead. Literally, after dying, Jesus went in the grave. As he went in the grave, our shame, our sins, all of our wrongs went with him. <coughs> but in three days, the grave that he was buried in was empty because he came out. But our sins stayed in. And as he came out, we were considered justified, literally meaning we now have life in him if we trust in his work. That's why Paul writes in Romans chapter 5, verse 9, how much more then, since we have been justified by his blood, will we be saved through him from wrath? These were those who were being saved from wrath. They had faced the tribulations of this world, but they had a glory on the other side. But those who do not trust and believe, there is a worse tribulation coming. There is a worse judgment coming. I like to tell people, I said, for believers, this is as bad as it gets. This world, all the pains that you experience now, all the loss, all the fringe that's broken, all the deaths, all, all the times you lose money, you gain a bunch of money, you get a lot of stress, this is as bad as it gets. But we got something so much better coming. But sadly, for those who don't believe, this is truly how, as good as it gets. It gets worse. It gets so much more worse because we will be fully separated from the one who truly gives life. This is what he's showing us. He's saying those who experience the worst of this world experience the best of what's to come. But those who think they're experiencing the best of this world, well, it gets worse. Even in their suffering, in their, in their struggles, in their issues, if they think this is bad, what's coming is worse. And that's why he says, continuing on in verse 15 through 16, he says, For this reason they are before the throne of God, and they serve him day and night in this temple. The one seated on the throne will shelter them. And listen to this promise. They will no longer hunger. They will no longer thirst. The sun will no longer strike them, nor will any scorching heat. See, he's saying, for those who trust now, all the issues they've dealt with, it fades away. And they'll never deal with issues like this again. All they will know is eternal bliss forever. God actually promised this through his prophet Isaiah in the Old Testament as he was telling them of the glory to come. He says in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 10, they will not hunger or thirst. The scorching heat or sun will not strike them. For their compassionate one will guide them and lead them to springs. The springs that he's talking about is the spring of ever-living ever life, ever-flowing life. The same springs that he told the woman at the well, she can come and drink if she wants. Just accept what I'm doing. Just accept who I am. And this is the same water that he's promising us. Hey, you're struggling right now? Come to me. I make all things right. I make all, three, all things holy. I bring all things together. I will give you a future hope. That's why when Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, verse 11 through 28, 28 chapter 11, verse 28 through 30, he says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
Take up my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. If you're in here today and you feel like the burdens of this world is crushing you, here's an easier yoke to take up. Here's one who says, come to me and I will give you rest. And he gives us rest in this world and the world to come. He strengthens us in the middle of our suffering. And he tells us there is a future glory. Just trust me. Just come to me. There is a sweet victory that has already been won and has been won on Calvary on our behalf. Are you weary today? Are you struggling today? Maybe everything's going well. Don't worry. As the old folks say, just keep living. Your day is coming. But for those who are just feel beat up by life, this is good news for you and me. This is good news. We can come to him and springs of life will be flowing for us and we can continue to drink. They never run out. His grace never runs dry. His, what he did on the cross doesn't have an end for those who believe and hold on to it. No matter what life throws at you, he says, I've already overcome the world. Do you trust this king today? Do you trust in this one, this lamb? And I end off on verse 17. He says, for the lamb who is at the center of the throne will shepherd them. He will guide them to springs of water of life. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. It's really good news for the broken. It's really good news for the suffering. It's really good news for those who are tired of this world. He's like, come to me, let me shepherd you. Let me care for you in, this, in the middle of the chaos of this world. Come to me and I will wipe your ass. There is a future glory and there is a glory being revealed right now in the believer's life. That's the importance of the church. That's why we come together, because he uses each other to care for each other. Because all of us have suffered. All of us have struggled. All of us have felt the woes of this world. But all of us who have faith in this king have also experienced that living water, that living life change. Is that you today? Are you weary? Do you feel like you're losing? Well, come experience the sweet victory. Know that the sweet victory has been won already on our behalf. And this, everything we're dealing with now, we're just running a victory lap. We're going around the track one more time before we receive our crowns and our reward. Will you pray with me? Father, I pray today that we would run to you, that we would experience your sweet victory, that we would lift our hands to you in worship and one day proclaim how great a king you are. Father, I pray today for those who may be broken, those who may, who may be carrying the stress of the world on their shoulders, that they have heard this word, that they will turn to you, that they will look to you to be made whole. 
pray that you were magnified today, that you were lifted up today, that we saw you as glorious today, that we turn our eyes and our attention to you today, and that you make us whole. We're so thankful for the great gift you gave in your son, Jesus. And know that without him, we all will be defeated, but through him, we all will receive life and life more abundant. So Lord, we lift all these things up to you. Meet us here as we prepare our hearts for communion with you. It's in your son, Jesus' name we pray. Amen.